Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. That was actually a perfect song for today's message. We're going to be talking about asking God to open our eyes for faith, for hope, to see what is possible with God that we may not otherwise know. Today, our scripture is, am I on? Okay, yep. My scripture today is Isaiah chapter 43, beginning with verse 18. Uh, This comes from a a season, a moment of, of great uncertainty. Uh, The past has gone, the future's unclear, it's sort of a time between times, sometimes people call it a liminal season, uh, where where we'd like to go back but we can't and we don't know what the future might bring. Does that sound at all familiar? Yeah. Don't remember, God says, don't remember the prior things, don't ponder ancient history. Look, I'm doing a new thing. Now it sprouts up. Don't you recognize it? I'm making a way in the desert, paths in the wilderness. The beasts of the field, the jackals and ostriches will honor me because I have put water in the desert and streams in the wilderness to give water to my people, my chosen ones. This people whom I formed for myself, who I will recount my praise. This is the word of God for the people of God. So Lord, would you give us eyes of faith and hope? Would you open the eyes of our heart to see as you see, to look to the future with uh, potential and possibility with your help? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I recently came across uh, an article from Psychology Today called The Dark Side of Nostalgia. The Dark Side of Nostalgia. Nostalgia is sort of that warm feeling, that reminiscing, that looking back to a time that we think was perfect. Maybe it was a a season of our life, childhood, teens, college, when the children were growing up, whatever it might be. It might be a person. It might be a tradition that you look back on with great fondness. Some of us who've been around First Church a while look back to what this church once was, our glory days, with a bit of nostalgia. I certainly do. Now, I want to be really clear as we talk about the dark side of nostalgia. There is nothing wrong with being nostalgic. There's a place for it. There's a place for remembering the past, honoring the past, even celebrating the past. That's why we teach history in schools. You've all heard the phrase, right? Those who don't learn history are doomed to repeat it, right? It's a place. It's why we build memorials for certain occasions. It's why we keep scrapbooks. It's why we buy all of those junky souvenirs on vacation. It's the reason that Facebook reminds you of what you posted last year or five years ago or ten years ago. It's why we celebrate anniversaries. It's why our phones have cameras or our cameras have phones. I don't know which one it is. 
Nothing wrong with remembering and looking back. There's a good place for that. The, the problem with nostalgia, when it becomes a dark place, is when we cling to it. When we get trapped in it. When we look back and think, then it was good. Then it was better. We just need to recreate what used to be. Or, or worse, some trauma happened to me then. And so now for the rest of my life, I look at the world through the filter of, of pain and suffering, right? The past can shape us in ways that limit us. We can get stuck in the past. The article says, the difference between helpful and harmful nostalgia is the difference between incorporating the positive emotions of reminiscing into the present versus renouncing the present for the sake of reinstating and perpetually reliving some moment in the past. We all know this. You can't go back. The past has literally passed, right? We can can remember it. We can try in some ways to recreate but we can only really live in the moment. We can, we can learn from the past and bring those lessons to the present day, and we can look to the future with hope, with faith, but the past is always behind us. So today we're talking about becoming. That's a future focus, becoming. And as part of our overall stewardship series, we've talked about believe, belong, become. Two weeks ago, what is it that we share commonly as a church, the beliefs that we have as United Methodists, and how does that shape who we are and hold us together? Last week, we talked about belonging, that that is part of our human nature, the need to be part of a spiritual group, and then the responsibilities that come with belonging. But today is about becoming. So I just want you to reflect for a moment. Who are you becoming? Who are you working intentionally at becoming? If you could be different than you currently are, and I'm talking about your skills, your abilities, I'm talking about your character, your relationships, who you are in those relationships, who do you wish to become? And as we think about our church, who we are collectively as we belong, what do we hope First Church becomes? Are we nostalgically stuck in some former version of ourselves or some former version of our church? Or are we faithfully living into the present moment? Are we looking ahead with faith in what is only possible with God's help? Today's passage that I read just a moment ago comes from a a season of history about 500 years before Jesus. In the year 586 BCE, the Babylonian army invaded and, and destroyed the lands of the Jews. The nation was utterly decimated. The capital of Jerusalem was torn down, leveled, ruined. The inhabitants were carried away, many of them as slaves, captives to Babylon. Those who were left behind were left with nothing, rubble, and then lesser foreign enemies kind of took advantage. After the Babylonians were gone, now that the Jews were in a weakened state, other enemies came and kind of preyed upon that weakness. It was a hard time. It was a terrible time. It appeared that God's chosen nation was no more. It was over. 
But about 50 years later, another nation rose to power, this time the Assyrians. And whereas the the Babylonians would come in and destroy a nation and then assimilate it, the Assyrians came behind and said, we'll help you rebuild your nation. You'll become kind of a, a vassal nation of the great Assyrian empire. And so there was this opportunity for the Babylonian captives to go back and rebuild Jerusalem, rebuild the nation of Israel. But people couldn't believe it. They just weren't sure. They were trapped, in a sense, by nostalgia. How can we ever return to our former glory? How could it ever be as good? How can we do what our ancestors did? Will God actually show up for us? And some of them had never even seen the past, right? That is an irony. Some of them had only known rubble. They were born into it. That's all they knew. They heard stories of what once was. Now they saw collapsed walls. Some were born in Babylon. That was all they, that was home. They had gotten married there. They had built homes there. They had started a business there. Why would I go to some foreign place and have to rebuild it, right? They were stuck. They couldn't imagine the future. The past was a trap. Why change? Why bother? Just accept the loss and move on. But God had a different message for God's people. Isaiah 43, 18, 19. Don't remember the prior things. Don't ponder ancient history. Look, I'm doing a new thing. Now it sprouts up. Don't you recognize it? Or I like the message version, actually. It says, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? In other words, don't you recognize the trap that you're in? A mental trap, a spiritual trap, an emotional trap that's keeping you frozen in what is and what was? God's saying there's a new day, a new beginning, a new possibility. Come be part of it. Bishop Michael Curry writes, when God is factored into the reality of life and living something changes for the good. It's not wise to try to predict what will be or how it will look, but something happens. The given reality is altered by another possibility. Are you aware of the possibilities that lie in your life, not just because of what you can do, but what you can do in cooperation with God's Spirit at work within you? within us. Just a few chapters later in Isaiah 64.4, the prophet says, from ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God but you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can perceive. See, this is God's invitation. It was God's invitation 500 years before the birth of Jesus, and it's God's invitation to us now. Believe in the possibilities that God can make happen for us. Believe in who God can be in your life. Believe that God does new and unexpected things. Believe that God makes possible what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind can conceive. How many of you are on Twitter 
Any Twitter people? Wow, not many in this room. That tells me something. Uh, so if you are on Twitter, if you uh, happen to be one of my followers, you may have seen my bio statement. Uh, my bio on Twitter just simply says, please be patient. I am a work in progress. God isn't finished with me yet. Um, that's not meant to just be trite or silly. It actually is a serious statement. It's, it's an admission um, I'm not done. I'm still working out the, the, the wrinkles. I'm still working out the kinks, right? And I hope God hasn't given up on me yet. I'm, I'm a work in progress. Um, it's, it's actually a statement of faith and hope that I hope that I'm a more godly person today than I was last year and that I was last year, the year before that, and that next year I'll be a more godly person than I am. It's a sincere desire that I become a better pastor and a better husband and a better father and a better friend and just, frankly, a better human. It's a sincere desire to become more and more like Jesus. Who do you hope to be? What, 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 are, what are you becoming? If you're a work in progress, what, what work is God doing in you. Scripture is full of this metaphor of growth and maturing and becoming more fruitful. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. Happy are those who trust in the Lord, who rely on the Lord. They will be like trees planted by the streams, whose roots grow down into the water. They won't fear drought when it comes. Their leaves will remain green. They won't be stressed in the time of drought or fail to bear fruit. Or Galatians 5, 22 through 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kind, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Ephesians 4, 13, God's goal for us is to become mature adults, to be fully grown, measured by the standard of the fullness of Christ. Do you catch those metaphors? Growth, fruitfulness, character development, growing into the full stature of Christ. This idea is a core Methodist belief. We believe that God's desire isn't just to save us from our sins, though that's important, but to help us become more and more like Jesus in this lifetime, to, uh, for us to, to become increasingly mature and collectively for us to be the body of Christ in the world that we would actually, each and every one of us, become increasingly kind and compassionate and generous and joyful as the Spirit of God lives in us and produces those fruits within us. It's becoming who we were created to be, right? The first chapter of the Bible. Let us make them in our own image and likeness, right? It's becoming that more fully. We call that in the Methodist tradition, sanctifying grace. It's the ongoing, lifelong, cooperative process with God of God growing us, maturing us, and developing us. John Wesley, our founder, said, let me daily grow in grace. Are you daily growing in grace? Let me daily grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Of course, this isn't exclusively a Methodist belief. Thomas Merton, the Catholic monk, said, each one of us is able to be completely transformed into the likeness of Christ, to become as he is divinely human. Belton Lane, a Presbyterian, says, God calls us into a spirituality of ascent, reaching always for the light, for the higher place of spiritual knowledge, ascetic discipline, and mystical insight. 
All creatures, the stars included, are meant to shine to the glory of God. Uh, This church was served by a pastor by the name of John Branscombe, who went on to become a bishop from this church. He served this church from 1944 through 1952, which was a remarkable season of growth. Uh, He wrote an article for the Orlando Sentinel, I believe it was weekly, called the Amen Corner. And he wrote in it once in that time, for most of us, there will come mighty little fame. We shall live and die without being conspicuous. Towns won't be named for us. And very little will be left behind after we've gone to keep others remembering us. But if we love and serve and give life more than we take, then our name will mean something to our family, our community, and our God. So I want to invite you this morning, I just want you to reflect for a moment on who you are and who you're becoming. If you could imagine a more godly version of you, and I know that's kind of a wild thing to think about, but if you could imagine a more godly version of you, a more holy version of you, I'm using biblical language here, right? A sanctified version of you, who would you be? What rough edges would you hope God would work out? What, what immature aspects of you would you hope he would mature? And what strengths of yours would you hope God might amplify? What dreams would you hope God might fulfill? What would an increasingly godly version of you look like? How would others experience you? Celtic author John Philip Newell says, we are not only... We not only long for what is, but also for what is yet to be. Our longing for what is yet to be is part of the birth of what is yet to become. Who are you becoming? Who do you hope to become? What do you hope First Church may become in the weeks, the months, the years to come? Some of you remember A season when the name First United Method of Church of Orlando carries some weight. This was a significant place, not just for the people who came here, but far beyond our walls. We were seen as a leader in Central Florida. We were seen as a leader in the denomination. We were recognized as a flagship church in our country. But we struggled some in recent years, especially since the pandemic, but not just since the pandemic. Some of these struggles have gone on longer. Some of them have to do with the changes in the world around us. The question I have for for us this morning, as we think about becoming, have we given up? Have we given up on what this church can be for the world, for us, for our families? Do we think God has given up on us? I want to say to you today, I don't believe God's given up on us. I don't believe you've given up on us. You wouldn't be here. I want you to know I haven't given up on the future of this church. I wouldn't be asking you to pledge to next year if I believed that God has given up on us. We've got some work to do. But I believe we've got a great future in front of us. There was a study done in the early 1970s of 300 downtown congregations, first churches. We were one of those churches. 
In the early 1970s, many cities were changing because people were moving out to the suburbs. It's when a lot of churches decided to abandon their downtown and go build a church somewhere else. Downtown Baptist used to be First Baptist, and they built their new building. This happened all over the country. Well, we were one of those churches that was studied, and a book was written in 1974 that asked the question, what's ahead for old First Church? It's sort of an analysis of their found findings and some advice for the future. The last paragraph of the book says this, a congregation like an individual has a precarious existence. It's influenced by forces both favorable and unfavorable. Some downtown churches will be forced to close or relocate either by circumstances beyond their control or because that of what they were unable to do. Others will continue because they have the wisdom and energy to adapt their method of ministering to the changing contemporary situation. But the task of the church is not survival but faithfulness. Read that again. The task of the church is not survival, but faithfulness. The old first church that makes the preservation of its own life its only goal will certainly lose it. The church which loses its life and witness and service will save it. Now it's 50 years ago. Think it's still true today? The church which loses its life in witness and service will save it. Friends, whatever first church may be in the future isn't a repeat of the past. Nostalgia will not move us forward. Preservation of what used to be or what is won't help. Only God partnered with people willing and open to becoming something new will be the tools that God uses to move us forward. Dare we believe God is doing a new thing in you, in me, in us. Dare we believe God is doing something new. Don't remember the prior things. Don't ponder ancient history. Look, I am doing a new thing. Now it sprouts up. Don't you see it? Let's pray. So again, Lord, we pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts to see you moving among us. We we know with faith that you have not abandoned us, you have not given up on us, that you are still intent on reaching out to this entire world and saving it and restoring it and redeeming it. And you choose to use people like us and a church like this. So Lord, lead us through this uncertain time. Lead us to better days. Fill us, deepen us with belief, with hope. Increase our witness to your love and your reality. Help us serve the needs of the present day. Help us be your church. Help us become your church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. 
If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.